across the border to the good old USA. Message where you come from, boy, how long you gonna stay? I said, I'm from the Six Nations and the Reserve, don't know when I'm coming back. He said, I'll have to see your Indian cop. I said, why don't you tell me that? Where's your white man's car? To me, that you ain't black. Where's your white man's car? It's a beast, get off my back. I don't have no bow and arrow. That don't mean I wanna tag. I went uptown to the drugstore just to buy a pair of shades. The man behind the counter said that I'll be 1598. I said, I don't have to pay no tax on that. He said, oh, not one of you again. I'll have to see your Indian car. I said, why don't you tell me, friend? Where's your white man's car? To me, that you ain't black. Where's your white man's car? Just a pee, get off my back. I don't have no boy and arrow, but that don't mean I want to tag. I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, or Tuesday, <laughs> July 2nd. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that we do uh, stream this, uh, this show on our website, which is uh, letstalknative.com. That's www.letstalknative.com. We uh, stream video of the show on Facebook Live. And we take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, and it goes into, a, uh, into podcasts uh, that can be found on your favorite podcast platform. We take the video and we put it on, U- on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. So uh, we encourage you to, if you don't catch us live, uh, uh, catch us after the fact, and uh, don't be afraid to share the show. Um, these are conversations that need to be had. So um, uh, I am the host of Let's Talk Native, and I am assisted in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our video and our sound, and I am joined by Ed Schindler today. Uh, and look, I've got a, a really specific issue that I want to talk about, and then something a little bit more general. But let me, let me get right to it. <clears throat> I asked a question. Who's fighting for native-to-native trade at this point? Who's fighting for our commerce that um, involves us working from territory to territory? I mean, who's doing that? 
Uh, well, I'll tell you, the only person that I see doing it is Eric White. Now, I'd look, as a matter of full disclosure, Eric White is one of my sponsors. Um, but even before he was a sponsor, I mean, I, Eric is one of those guys that, um, uh, look, I realize that some people, you know, can love him or hate him. But one of the things that he, I mean, he's a, he's a tobacco wholesaler, first off. <clears throat> so he um, deals in native products. Some of them, you know, are the ones you're familiar with, like Senecas and Signals, and you know. But he also has a couple of other native brands that he that he brings in brings in from other native territories, <clears throat> and he distributes within Seneca Nation territory, and he distributes to other native territories. So, why, when he has to battle New York State, is nobody else stepping up? And 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 I'll give you an example. He got. Uh, a truckload of, uh, of of a native brand of cigarettes driven by a native driver, and, and he is a native wholesaler, going from Seneca Nation territory to, uh, to a Mohawk territory. <clears throat> um, his driver was pulled over. They seized the, uh, all the product, and then they not only confiscated the product, they didn't assess him the tax. They actually assessed a penalty, a fine. And, and at this point, he's facing like a, a $1.3 million fine for i mean and, and it's not like this was a 50 foot trailer you know uh you know uh, of, of tobacco i mean it, it was it was quite a bit of uh, a bit of tobacco but you know this is what what he's battling and and of course when they first went after him they went after him they went after the driver they went after uh, you know his you know a couple of the companies or, or you know um his other company that isn't even really a, the wholesale company um and I actually testified in, in, in the hearing um, for the driver. And this was just a young kid. And, and he was being assessed this $1.3 million fine as well. So um, Sean John uh, was on trial, essentially, for, for this fine. And I, and I testified essentially as an expert witness, um, originally only to talk about the reason I was brought in was because they, they were trying to, to dispute whether Ganyonge qualified as a native territory. And, of course, they get hung up on words like reservations. <clears throat> but the the state um, uh, lawyers and the judge allowed me a tremendous amount of leeway. We we covered everything, you know, that that goes all the way back to, you know, getting started in the tobacco business. Um, you know, we, we obviously talked about Gunyange's history. But one of the things that I was also personally involved w- with was was asking the question of New York State, what was their native-to-native trade policy? And in fact, I couldn't get an answer. So I went to Albany, and I met with, uh, with two state senators, a Republican and a Democrat, George Maziars and Tim Kennedy. <clears throat> Maziars is, is, is now retired. Uh, he was a Republican. Tim Kennedy was an up-and-comer up and uh, uh, for the Democrats. And I met with them, and I talked about this. And I says, we can't get an answer. We can't get an answer from, and the guy's name was Tom Maddox, who was the commissioner for New York State Department of Taxation and Finance. <clears throat> we couldn't get an answer out of him. And we just, you know, what, what's your policy? And, and we wanted to know specifically, what was your policy on native-to-native trade and native brands? So I worked with, with Kennedy's office and, uh, and Maziar's office, and we drafted a letter, sent it to the um, – uh, well, I sent it to those guys, and they, and they refined it. They went, went a little farther than I did. They took the position that they fully supported uh, native-to-native trade and that it was a positive impact on, on um, the areas that they represented. And they wanted, to, they wanted the state to put in writing what their, what their native-to-native trade policy was. And they, they, to this day, they still have never done it. They, you know, Maziar's um, actually inquired six months later, a year later, another year later, and they were continue, continuously rebuffed. And in fact, at some point, the, the, the attorney for the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance said, well, it's a gray area. Wait, well, wait a second. What do you mean it's a gray area? Because funny thing is when Eric's uh, load got seized, they didn't say it was a gray area. They said he was, he was clearly violating uh, state law. Well, how is it a clear violation of state law if you won't even say what, what your policy is on this stuff? So that's what I, what I testified and, and went through a lot of that history. And, uh, and frankly, uh, they cleared Sean. They, they cleared, you know, and, and like I said, Sean was only about, you know, in his early 20s when this thing happened. He had this $1.3 million fine hanging over his head. And they cleared him. Now, the problem is they still won't clear Eric. So no matter what you know the case was that we made for for Sean, for some for some reason they're still trying to 
squeeze Eric because you know obviously he's the he he may be the principal, but it's still the same it's still the same case. So the question that I have is is nobody going to step up with Eric on this thing? This isn't just I mean this might be Eric's fine, but this impacts everything. You know all these folks. You know Ed, we we talk a lot about um, uh, the the potential that hemp could represent. You know, not just the CBD stuff, but uh, even hemp as a, as a you know a fiber product and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. we don't represent a market on our territories um, big enough to support really much of any industry. We we still are going to rely on some trade that goes off our territories, and native trade, you know, to other territories and non native trade. So, but if we can't take a truck with a product that we produce and put it on the road without the fear of of it being seized. I mean, let's say if, if even if New York doesn't um, uh, uh, legalize marijuana, for instance, <clears throat> and some of the CBD products and the hemp products, if a, if a grower here with a Seneca Nation license decides they want to supply something in Colorado or California or a state that has made it legal, if they if 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 the state's going to go ahead and seize everything because they feel like they don't have to honor the fact that we are distinct people. Because that's what they ignored in the, in the Maziars and Kennedy letter. That's what, uh, uh, what Andrew Cuomo and Thomas Maddox ignored. They did not want to offer any distinction for Native people. You know, and, and, and of, course, of course there's distinction. They know that there's a line that they cross when they come onto our territories. They, you know, the state's position is that they have a right to tax us for sales that we make to non-Native people. And actually, I'll go beyond that. The position the state takes is that only a sale on Seneca territory to an enrolled Seneca is tax-free, as far as the state's concerned. So me, as a, as a Mohawk living here, as far as the state's concerned, if, if I buy something, they, they have the right to tax it. And of, and of course they don't. I mean, if somebody from Pennsylvania comes into uh, Seneca territory and buys something, New York State says, well, we have a right to tax that. Why? They're not a New York State resident. They're not consuming the product in New York State. They're taking it from our native territory back to a, to a state. Now, if Pennsylvania wants to tax them, that's one thing. But, I, you know, I can't wrap my head around why, I mean, whether this is a personality issue or, or, or what's going on, but I, I can't wrap my head around why it is that there aren't people beating a path to Eric's door to say, no, we're with you, man. We're with you on, on what you're doing here. Um, and, and look, we all... We're very, very. Uh, we, we applauded the fact that that Sean, John, the young guy, the young driver, beat the charge. But now, what we think because Eric, you know, is a successful business person that uh, he can he can afford to pay the fine. The fine isn't the issue. It's the precedent that gets gets established. I don't know if you if you have a thought on this, but uh, I mean, this is this is kind of where uh, where I, I want to have this conversation. Yeah, the um, the important thing to understand is taxation is not based upon who buys it. It's based upon where it's purchased. And that's one of the things people have to understand is that our territory is not part of New York State. None of our territories are part of New York State. And that, therefore, they have no authority to tax on our territory. And well, and, and, and of course, most states, including New York State, they recognize that if, that if Pennsylvania or, let's say, Ohio was going to send something to Vermont and it passes through New York State, they don't impose a tax because it's just passing through New York State. I mean, they recognize that there's, that there's interstate trade that happens, right? And so, you know, so they, they recognize that. So they know unless we're, we're introducing a product into the New York State you know, commerce stream into their market. <clears throat> Look, and I'm not talking about people who come to our territories. That's still our market. You know, and and of course, here's the other thing that people uh, seem to forget. Under New York State law, everybody who lives in New York State, and I'm not talking about our territories, who lives in New York State, everybody who lives in New York State can uh, can bring up to two cartons of uh, cigarettes unstamped into New York State for their own use and consumption. Every single person in New York State could do that. Well, if you're old enough to buy cigarettes, I guess. So every, everybody, every <laughs> consumer, that's not, that has nothing to do with us. That's somebody who can go to, down to Virginia and buy two, two cartons of cigarettes or somebody who can go into Canada and buy two cartons of cigarettes. But where, as it applies to us, the New York State ignores that. In fact, when I, when I talk about how, uh, how they feel they have a right to tax every you know, uh, 
our every sale we make to to a non Seneca on Seneca land or a non Mohawk on Mohawk land, they're ignoring the fact that the state already allows even in New York City where they have an additional you know, tax, a city tax on top of the state tax. A New York City resident can go into um, uh, into New Jersey. They can go into you know Pennsylvania. They can go farther down south where where cigarettes are to a very low uh, low tax state byproduct and bring it into new york city and it's legal there's in fact what the language is is that there's no tax liability for a consumer who brings in two cartons or less into new york state so they they completely ignore that when uh, when it relates to our sales but that's not really what's at play here what's at play here is eric is a seneca licensed wholesaler he's he's a wholesaler licensed by the seneca nation to um to trade tobacco products he only carries native products so it is it is clearly a native to native trade uh issue with 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 native brands now if anybody in the seneca nation is saying well yeah but we've never really licensed you to trade with other native territories what do you mean you don't prohibit that and if you think that eric violated his, his seneca nation wholesale license then why didn't you why didn't you take action why didn't you, why didn't, why haven't you pulled his license? Because you know that you haven't. That's exactly the issue. So I mean, what? And, and so when I, when I think about what Eric is going through, and and again, I think we put up a great defense for for Sean. Um, you know, I didn't retestify in when when Eric's uh, case you know came before judges because they just submitted my testimony. But I don't know if it had the same impact. You know, honestly, I I think being able to 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 speak and and that judge actually asked me questions and and you know but but eric's got to appeal this thing right as it stands right now you know the, the state is saying that not only does he owe 1.3 million dollars in a fine for transporting a native brand of cigarettes from seneca territory to mohawk territory but what they're saying is they can pull over any truck out on uh you know off of our territory any truck all right. If you're listening to us uh, uh, streaming on uh, our audio here, we're going to take a bit of a of a break right now because we're uh, we're trying to catch our uh, catch our internet back up here. We seem to have lost our Facebook live stream, so um, we'll we'll try to get that back. All right, folks, we're back. Uh, apologize for that. We had a rainstorm just come through here and it took out our internet um, again. We don't have. Um, uh, we don't have, you know, like, uh, what, what am I looking at? We, we, we don't have uh, high-speed Internet here, so we rely on uh, satellite. You know, we don't have any, you know, fiber-optic cables running through here. So um, so let me try to pick it back up again. Uh, we'll, we'll patch this thing together in a, uh, when, we, when we post it up later on. But, um, again, we're, we, you know, we're, we're talking about Eric White's case and, and the case that, that, that he is battling with New York State has to do with the state insisting that they have the authority to stop native to native trade now they they won't even address it as native to native trade they're just saying if you're in new york state and you don't have a stamp on your cigarettes and we're seizing it now of course this violates not only uh you know the the u.n declaration on the rights of indigenous peoples that that talks specifically about us having the right to do commerce and uh, uh and 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 forbids and essentially, essentially calls out any nation, nation state, or subdivision of that state um, from violating just basic uh, human rights and and specifically in uh, the rights of indigenous peoples. Um, but but this this goes well beyond all that. Look, New York State has been fighting us on tobacco and fuel and a whole bunch of other things for for, for many many years. There's a there's a, a old case called the Atia case. Where, uh, when the state was first trying to to uh, impose their tax and their tax stamps upon us, um, a wholesaler, a New York State wholesaler, who uh, didn't, they they fought the state's attempt to do that, and the way they fought it was they went and applied and received a federal Indian trader's license from the Interior Department, and they made the case that their federal um, Indian uh, trader's license superseded state law. Their ability to, to trade with Native people was not bound by, by state law. Um, I think they lost in court, and then they won in court, and went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And, and the Supreme Court basically ruled against 
that you know, and they made a facial you know a facial challenge about whether a uh, an Indian trader's license superseded state law and they ruled against Atia and and they did so based on a couple of territories out west where the territories are kind of checkerboarded and and they had a couple of cases where the courts upheld the right for the states not New York state mind you to impose a minimum burden uh for tax collection on the tribes in these in these places now they aren't us they were you know native territories in completely different circumstances um their lands were held in trust by the federal government they weren't they they were not lands that uh, um, that they held original title to, like we do on our territories, none of that stuff. So it was a different situation. But in the Atia case, it is it's worth noting that in the opinion written on that case, the 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 Supreme Court justice I don't remember which one which one wrote this opinion, but what he said was the um, idea of taxing a a product that we merely brought onto our territories. Um, from the non-native commerce stream to sell to non-native people to avoid for tax avoidance was you know that 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 stood on markedly different ground and those that's the word they use than than a product that we add value to that we manufacture ourselves that we uh, have have a role in in not only um, bring into market but in but bringing into into existence so. What, what the what the opinion clearly uh, uh, established was there was a distinction between us dealing in native to native products, dealing with native brands, and that was the just that's that's why I reached out and worked with uh, with Senator Kennedy and Senator Senator Maziarz to ask the question because there is a valid question that needs to be asked about. Uh, uh, because even and that Atia case, by the way, is New York State in federal court against uh, the Atiyah brothers. I mean, this is a state taxation and finance. This is their case. So even in their case, and, and of course what people have said over the years was, well, that Atiyah case was a landmark decision that allowed the states to tax the native people. No, it didn't. The only thing that was ruled in that case was whether a federal Indian trader's license superseded state law, and the court said it didn't. They made a point that they weren't talking about treaty issues, that, that we weren't a party to the case. The native people weren't on trial there. It was a non-native wholesaler with a New York State wholesaling license, tobacco license, that was, uh, that was in this trial. Not us. So the court made it clear that they weren't dealing with, with Seneca issues. They weren't dealing with, you know, with treaty issues. They weren't dealing with sovereign issues. They were just <clears throat> dealing with a facial challenge and, and and making a determination as to whether a federal Indian trader's license superseded state law. That was what the Atiyah ruling was. But in that ruling, they went a little beyond the facial challenge and they made a, an explicit distinction between a native product and a non-native product, a product that we, again, they didn't even say we had to manufacture. They just said a product we added value to. So even if we had it manufactured for us, if it, if it was our brand, if it was a brand that we own, that we uh, exclusively marketed, if it was a if it was a product that we um, we added value to it in terms of you know, not just advertising, marketing, and advertising, <clears throat> but added value to it because of packaging, even. But the fact is, what Eric White was was transporting from Seneca territory to, to Mohawk territory was a specific native brand. That only native people were uh, were distributing, and it wasn't even for sale in New York State. No New York State retailers, no convenience stores, Seven uh, Elevens, or you know, or anybody else are dealing with these native brands. And in fact, they couldn't. They they can't even buy these these brands because of things like the Tobacco Settlement Act. So, what Eric was was dealing with, and he's not the only wholesaler, by the way. What he was dealing with. Was um was a native product manufactured by native? It even the tobacco, much of the tobacco was grown on native territory. I mean, it's not all of it, but 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 that's how much value was added. This from a native standpoint. So this was clearly native to native trade, and New York State won't even acknowledge it, and they would still never answer the question to this day. Maziars and Kennedy never got an answer to that, and 
they had subsequent letters sent uh, off to the to the tax department as well. So this isn't just an Eric White issue. When I was dealing with with these uh, these senators, it was long before Eric White had this battle, and I was do- dealing with it because I felt like this is something. This was on the heels of New York State no longer allowing its New York State um, tobacco wholesalers to even sell its product with, without a stamp on it. So we were already pro- positioning ourselves to, to deal with native, uh, native brands. And, but but it, again, it still remained th- this question mark because we didn't know what the state was going to do. After I, sent, uh, I worked with Maziars and Kennedy to do that letter, the State Department of Taxation and Finance had an interdepartment memo that I actually got from the New York Post, by the way, that it was called the, D, the Do Not Seize Memo. This memo laid out specifically what New York State taxing authorities, and, and right down to the state police or, or, or local authorities, what they were, what the tax department was recommending that they seize and what they didn't seize. What they're saying is if you, if you see a car, a, 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 um, a truckload of Marlboros, seize it. But they made it very clear. If it's a native brand, do not seize. That's the do not seize memo. And you know what? Eric and others made sure that the Maziars and Kennedy letter was on truck on the truck and the do not seize letter was on truck. They had a full bill of lading for everything that they, they had. So this isn't smuggling. This is just native to native trade that New York State refuses to acknowledge. Now, the reason I think this is such an important issue is because it's going to affect everything else. Every, you know, every type of commerce that we want to carve out that is, that is ours, that is distinctly ours, that, that operates under a native license or, or, or you know, that we do. I mean, again, hemp comes to mind, but not just hemp. Anything that we do that doesn't um, uh, have us totally complicit or, or, uh, or compliant, I guess, with state regs makes us, makes us vulnerable to the state. And, and, you know, and for those people who say, well, you know, that's why we need to have stamps on our product. Well, they don't recognize that. I mean, that's, that's as silly as those people who claim that they're dual citizens. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Seneca citizen and I'm an American citizen. Well, that'd be fine, except for the United States doesn't recognize that Seneca, Seneca citizenship. And, and that is what's apparent in this, in this situation. Because they aren't recognizing us as distinct, as distinct at all. I mean... They used to say, once you step off your, your territory, you're just another white man, essentially, is what they said. But they've actually tried to encroach even farther onto our territories. And that, like I said earlier, they believe that they, get to ta- that they have the right to tax us for, for anything that we sell to a non-native, or, or you know, for, if you're in Seneca territory, to a non-Seneca. I mean, that's how crazy the, the state's thinking is on this thing. And, of course, it's not supported by any law. They have nothing that gives them that kind of support. Just their general New York State laws as it applies to, you know, the the regulation of tobacco. But they won't make any – I mean, there's no distinction that the state is willing to make about our territories and about our right to do native-to-native trade, even if if it is completely uh, exclusive of of the native – or the the New York State commerce stream. You know, and the – you know, and again, part of the thing that, that I can't get past, Ed, is that their commerce flows through our territory. They have rail that flows through. And their commerce flows through our territory completely on uh, unfettered access to our territory. The, the New York State Thruway, Interstate 86, Route 20, Route 5, Route 438, all of these, uh, uh, these highways that go through our territory that we allowed them to put through our lands, they run their commerce through. They don't even, we don't get any reports. There's certainly no revenue, but that crosses through our territory completely. And and you know what? That's not a terrible thing if they gave us the same respect, but they don't. They uh, also have the power lines as well as the gas lines. Yep, power lines. And they do not have high-speed internet going through our territories. (laughs) No, they don't. But take a look at it. Um, If you're you're getting electric from uh, the power lines, you pay tax. So the, it's really important. If they're going to charge tax for us going through their territory, then the Seneca Nation ought to consider whether or not they should pay tax to the Seneca Nation for going through our territory. Well, yeah, and that'd be fine, but at this point, we can't even get the Seneca Nation to bat an eyelash on this. Right. Thing. We're going to have to. <laughs> that's where you said uh, precedent has to be uh, realized yeah. and taken a look at. 
Why? Because it's going to affect our people and it's going to affect our not just us, it's going to affect our future generations. And if you don't think it matters, look, we're going to take a break. We're, we're kind of at the bottom of the hour. I know our, our timing is a little off here because of losing the Internet earlier, but um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the, uh, the, that case we, we discussed earlier in, in Washington State where a, um, a Yakima fuel wholesaler was um, was fined and charged by the state of Washington, and and, and that wholesaler's uh, the company name was Cougar Den, and they fought uh, the state of Washington, and the Yakima Nation stepped up and they submitted a what I thought was a pretty powerful brief in the um, uh, in the case against Cougar Den, and they won. They it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And they won. So, so anybody who thinks that, well, just leave it on Eric's shoulders and you know, we'll, we'll let him sink or swim. Look, there's just too much at stake for that. So we'll talk about that when we come back. I'll talk more about the Yakima case when we come back. This is John Kane with Ed Schindler and this is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. I've got Ed Schindler in studio. I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Let's Talk Native is sponsored by Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, and his uh, his tobacco wholesaler as well. Um, and uh, and and if, uh, I've got another uh, sponsor that uh, chooses to remain nameless, so we'll we'll keep it at that. Um, could always use more. Uh, for those of you who used to on occasion drop a, drop a check in the mail, uh, my mailbox still works, so don't be afraid to drop one in there. Um, look, I am grateful for the consistent support that I get from uh, you know from our our main sponsors. Um, and to those of you who contribute when you can, I'm also very uh, grateful to those who, um, who who watch us, who comment, who share the video, share the audio. Um, 
and uh, and including my wife who shares our uh, Facebook live stream on so many group pages. I also want to thank those of you who allow us to share our um, our video on uh, on your group pages. So it's a way that we promote this conversation. All right, before before the break, um, look there there is some precedent here, uh, and 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 good precedent. When when I think about what took what transpired, only it was only a little over a month ago that the. Um, uh, that Cougar Den, a fuel wholesaler in uh, Yakima, a fuel wholesaler in the state of Washington, had to fight the state. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. But they didn't fight it on their own. They did have support. The, their nation, the Yakima nation, submitted a very powerful brief, a brief that was uh, broken up into two pieces. One, and, and this is, was really exceptional, laid out how wrong it is that so much of this oppression and this control that states tried to uh, assert over us finds its origins in the doctrine of discovery. Nobody's even done that. I mean, uh, so the fact that they did it, um, I applauded it immensely. Now, so the first part of the brief was was really laying out the false narrative on on both the state and the federal government for claiming its superiority over our peoples, right? And that's, I mean, and that's just basic you know, racist, religious, you know, uh, superiority that uh, uh, that that the sta- United States has claimed based on, you know, a r- religious doctrine that said the Christian nations of Europe had the power to just take land and conquer people even without conquest. I mean, it, it, it's that simple. Now, the other part of their brief talked about uh, specific language and treaties and you know what? We have a specific language too. I mean, again, you, you only have to look at, at language in, in like the Canandaigua Treaty, and, and there's others that talk about the United States recognizing that our land is ours and that we will not be disturbed in the free use and enjoyment of our lands. Now, the other thing is, I, I, I get troubled when people say, um, well, we have treaty rights. Look, we don't have treaty rights. Rights aren't granted to us in treaties. Rights. Um, there may be rights that are recognized in treaties, but you know what? It isn't just about what is in the treaties. You know that that you know that we can say we have rights to. If they haven't had any legal authority to take a right away, I mean, where is their foundation for saying that we don't have the right to to do tobacco, for instance, or do any kind of native to native trade? There is nothing that was never surrendered. I mean, we're coming up on you know on the. Um, july 4th here you know we're gonna we're gonna have a conversation about uh in new york on my show about the declaration of independence and you know it you one of the things that they they tried to say is that um um governments are instituted among men depriving their just powers from the consent of the governed well if we didn't consent to this stuff how can they say that they have the the just powers to to assert this thing this isn't just about whether we could could envision a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, what rights we had to secure in treaties. I mean, that's that's bullshit. Look, they have to be able to say, no. Here is where here's the line in the sand where where you have, on this day from this day forward had to follow state law. Doesn't exist. At least not one that we consented to. Now, they can pass laws. I mean, look, they, 1924, they passed a law. They said that we were uh, U.S. citizens. But you know what? It didn't mean that we were U.S. citizens. It means that they said it. It didn't mean that we said it. So, you know, when, when they say that, you know, the, the, when the federal government passes, you know, passes a law that says, okay, we're going to grant states jurisdiction over this or that or civil or criminal jurisdiction, if we didn't concede to that, then you have no consent of the governed. We don't consider ourselves to be governed by New York State. We don't consider ourselves to be governed by the federal government. I mean, the Seneca Nation position is, is really clear here. That this land is not part of the United States. It's not part of New York State. And we have never surrendered our right to do commerce from one native territory to another. Whether it's, whether it's with the Yakima or whether it's with the Mohawks whether it's with the Shinnecock or whether it's with the, you know, the Porch Creek, no matter who it is, we have never surrendered our right to do native to native commerce. And, and clearly the United States recognized that's why they even have that, 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 you know, the, the BS, uh, federal Indian traders license. They know that there's a distinction. In fact, the commerce clause of the, uh, of the U S constitution 
It says that the Congress shall have the authority to regulate commerce in and among several states with foreign nations and with Indian tribes. But they don't mean between. They don't mean the commerce of Native people, of, of Indians. They mean the commerce between their citizenry and, and us. There's nothing in state in, in the Constitution of the United States that, that grants that kind of power. And I think that's what, what people have to recognize. I think people have to recognize that uh, commerce between Indian nations existed long before Native, Amer- Native Americans met the um, Europeans. There was, there was hemp being traded. There was, I mean, we've got songs and we've got, we've got materials that came from as far as Florida, as far as the Dakotas. Oh, tobacco, far. tools, all kinds of stuff, yeah. And corn. The, the commerce existed way before the Europeans even arrived. So it's not as if they're granting us anything. They don't have anything to grant us. We already have our, our rights and our commerce and our communications, our... All of those existed. We before. have historic trade routes that yes. that, that have existed f- long before and a non-native person, you know, be- before Europeans ever came to our territories. And and the point, and to your point, is there is nothing that suggests we ever surrendered that to nope. to to Canada, to the United States, or to anybody else. No, we didn't surrender any of that. Nor did we surrender the right to to address it. Well, and I think that when I think about what took place with the Yakima, and and look, it was it was a it was a Trump appointee, Neil Gorsuch, who cast a swing vote and actually gave a pretty strong opinion on the on the Yakima case, on the on the Cougar Den case. So, I mean, look, we are not without um, uh, means for making a solid argument that even holds up in a in a in a in a Trump. Supreme Court, and I'm not suggesting that that's where we need to fight this thing. I mean, look, we, we, you know, I hear all these these conversations continuously about restorative justice. There is nothing, there's no restorative justice when the when the when the state of New York will try to find a 20 year old kid 1.3 million dollars for driving a truck uh, for a native company, and and then when they get rid of that charge against him, still try to keep it against the individual who's the principal of the company. I mean, look. If the Yakima Nation could step up uh, and support Cougar Den, then the Seneca Nation should step up and support Eric White in this case. And you know what? It isn't just the Seneca Nation. There are retailers that that are out there that that Eric has uh, has you know has you know serviced over over these years. They should step up. Look, there's there's financial costs associated with these kind of legal fights, but there's also uh, briefs that could be filed. And let the let uh, the folks up on Aquasasti submit a brief. Let the folks uh, um, in, in in all these other nations submit briefs to say, you know to defend our right to native to native trade, and and we we've, we've we've got to be strong about this thing. And you know what? Do what the Yakima did. Cite the doctrine of discovery. Cite the false narrative that that the states and the United States try to claim uh, as the foundation for their authority. Because it is it is false. It is racist. Scientifically false, legally invalid. Again, you can look to my Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, uh, video. Legally invalid. That is what is the basis for even this. Every jurisdictional case, this, I mean, the, the doctrine of discovery isn't just about land claims. It's not just about land title. It is about the, uh, about the United States and the individual states asserting that, they, that, that somehow we have been conquered by them. I mean, if you go back to Johnson v. McIntosh, uh, um, Justice Marshall literally said that they, uh, that um, discovery of of an inhabited country, of an inhabited land, was the same as conquering those people. I mean, that's what the justice said, and that's that's not true. That's not. I mean, he called it a. He said, however extravagant the pretension of making that that. You know that st- uh, statement is that's not an extravagant pretension. It's a, it's a lie. It's not just absurd. It's a lie. You can't equate somebody, you know, just happen happening upon another a group of people with saying, "Okay, now I've conquered you." I mean, that's ex- that's literally what the United States Court Supreme Court ruled uh, in Johnson v. McIntosh, and that's the foundation for everything that, that uh, every individual state, whether it's Washington State or New York State, and what the federal government's doing to our, to our people. 
don't know. I mean, this is this is what I find you know so so frustrating. And and look, here's the risk when when people just sit back and let one individual fight this. Because look, if Eric loses this thing, how many people are going to say, "Ah, oh, see, well, you did it wrong." Well, then then help, then help him do it right. Let the Seneca Nation step up. If you've got a thought on on how we need to push back on the state, don't just sit there. And, um, this goes back to the stirring the ashes thing, right? Yes. We talked about in the last show. If you if you know what the issue is, and you sit back and remain quiet, and then when the issue doesn't turn out well, say, "Well, I never agreed with the way that he was." Doing. Then where the hell was your voice when when it mattered? And Seneca Nation, if you're going to sit there and say that Eric didn't have the right to, uh, to conduct commerce with, with another Native territory, then you better do it because uh, you, you better make it very clear because Rob Porter tried to do that once. Rob Porter tried to, uh, and I'll tell you, he, he really pissed off a lot of people. He tried to say that um, Seneca wholesalers couldn't trade with non-federally recognized tribes. And I'll tell you, all, you know what? You know how the folks down in Long Island responded? They said, Oh, so so is Rob Porter just calling us a bunch of uh, half breeds and niggers? That's literally what uh, what came out of Harry Wallace's mouth because he was pissed. Because since when should we allow the federal government to determine for us who is a legitimate native person or not? I mean, mm-hmm. and and I, and I'll tell you. So anybody will make the claim that somehow um, uh, Eric shouldn't have been uh, conducting commerce off territory. Everybody knows that's w- what wholesalers have been doing. I mean, look, there's manufacturers, guys like Gary Sandin, Heron's uh, Heron's Cigarettes. I mean, there's some that are produced right here in in Seneca Territory. Are you going to suggest that that, that the state can tell you 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 can only sell that product in Seneca Territory? That you can't conduct commerce from one native territory to another? How do we develop a brand and branding and, and develop our own brands if we if we have to if we can't market it to other native territories and again i got to go back to the hemp issue we can't put in you know acres you know of of a hemp for fiber or build greenhouses for controlled uh, um growth of hemp for, for for cbd oils or anything else and and only market it here if we're going to use use a seneca nation license something that's going to be distinct from new york state then if we try to enter uh, enter, enter any kind of state commerce stream or or the even the commerce stream of another native territory this president precedent that the state is establishing in this Eric White case will will kill hemp kill CBD it'll kill you know legalized marijuana it'll kill everything that we try to do that represents any kind of distinction um for our commerce here on our native territory that that expects to do any kind of commerce native to native or you know um, crossing a state line to another native territory that's what's at stake here and and i gotta tell you any of you who don't recognize that are are you know then you're just putting blinders on or maybe you're trying to justify maybe some animosity you have towards eric i mean and and i've seen this play out over years it, you know so easy to demonize the individual instead of seeing that there's a bigger uh, a bigger issue at play here this stuff matters and and I, i'll tell you one of the other points i wanted to talk about more generally ed was um we can't turn this into a competition a competition over who is doing it right and who is doing it wrong or who is more indianer than the, than the other you know every time i hear somebody says well if you you, you shouldn't be um paying a toll then if you're if you're so sovereign look we all have to do what we have to do to survive here and and i agree that we oftentimes compromise in places that we don't need to and and that's what i talk about here on the show I try to say, look, yeah. they're play- we don't need to enlist in the armed forces. There's no necessity for us to do that. That's a, to me, that's a compromise. And there are things that we don't need to do. And, and we should find solutions within our ter- territory so we don't use the outside. That's that whole decolonization you know, mantra that I, that I, that I try to, to talk about. But not everybody can avoid paying a state tax. Not everybody can avoid paying a federal tax. You know, some some places you can more easily than others. And, you know, in every place that we can avoid paying state or federal taxes, we should avoid paying state and federal taxes. Some people are going to be able to draw a much firmer line in the sand and say, hell no, I will not pay any federal income tax. 
Well, then, then let's stand with each other and let's help that person make that case. Because once that, once we can establish that precedent, then none of us pay federal income tax. As it is, none of us pay state income tax if we, um, if, if we live here on, on native territories. I mean, so clearly the state recognizes that. And yet we get into this, this whole battle that, that they're going to ignore that there's any distinction when it comes to, uh, comes to native to native trade. But we have to, we can't keep throwing each other under a bus. Look, I, my, my hat goes off to somebody like Will Perry who drives through the tolls and say, no, I'm not paying your toll, I'll send, and, and sends a letter saying that he's not going to pay tolls. I, I applaud him. Is everybody going to do that? No. Look, I, I cringe at the notion that people go out and get a, um, get a U.S. passport to make it easier to travel in, into Canada and back. We shouldn't do that. But you know what? Where the hell is the Seneca Nation or any of these other nations in, in, in terms of fighting for our right to, to create our own travel documents? And I'm not talking about the enhanced tribal card either. That's mm-hmm. not our travel document. That's, that's one of theirs. I mean, this is the stuff where, where we need to, as a people and as, as, as those who are, are supposed to represent us, whether they're you know, uh, nation officials or, or, or whether they're, they're representatives. But look, we've got to do more. We've got to do more. And, and when, when somebody is in the throes of a battle like this, like Eric White, the Seneca Nation needs to step up. Yeah. And I think it's really got to be important for people to understand that it's not who makes a purchase, it's where they make the purchase. So it doesn't matter whether they're Seneca or not. They don't have to pay taxes on Seneca territory unless the Seneca Nation passes that... Um, Part of the yeah, they have a tax code, but you know one of the things, and, and and this is even when we battle the state over over this revenue sharing stuff. Look, m- almost no native territories have adopted fully the tax, um, you know, scenario that that states and federal government uh, and, and the federal government have uh, have adopted. We don't that it's it actually you know for for many people find that thing that to be too far away from their culture to the idea of i mean in fact even the united states had to had to you know, kind of change and alter laws to you know to do the kind of, they used to it used to be against the constitution to um to have uh, a tax unless it was apportioned properly i mean uh, sales tax income tax wasn't something that was legal in the united states they didn't pass that until 1913 and and even when they passed that according if you read the statute it makes it sound like it's voluntary Voluntary my ass. I mean, they lock people up for you know what they do. They don't. They don't actually lock you up. By the way, for not paying taxes, they lock you up for committing fraud in how you report that stuff. Which is you know that's that's kind of how they get you on this stuff. But you know, we if we don't, we do not have to submit to their regulatory systems that are out there. You know, whatever we develop on our own territories is one thing, and 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 the Seneca Nation. And already of these nations really need to be careful because if all we do is mirror what they've done on the outside, then it really weakens our argument about how much we, we condemn that system of, uh, of governance or, or regulatory authority. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I've talked yeah. when I've talked about the word sovereignty before. You know, I, I, I have a tendency now to move away from that, that word because sovereignty is about power. It's not about freedom. I mean, if, when you say you're sovereign, that means that you have power. You have power over over things that are against our culture, like over a power over land, power over other people. I mean, that's what a that's what a sovereign is. A sovereign is, is you know, you know, it has to do with uh, having the reign or the the power or authority over something. Not, I mean, our word "tewatatawi," uh, uh, which means. Um, uh, I carry myself, or we carry ourselves. That's what we're saying. We have, by by the power of creation, we we have the right to carry ourselves. We don't have the right to tra- you know, to 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 dictate to other people, you know, about how much power we have. That's what that's what sovereigns do. That's that's why that word, you know, we've appropriated appropriated that word over the years. But I'm almost, I'm troubled by it some uh, at some level, and and I would rather fight for a free and independent existence than saying oh, that we are somehow a, an equal sovereign with the state, because the, what the the authority the authorities that the states uh, wield 
are they are not you know derived from the consent of the governed. You know, again, I'm going to do this breakdown of the Declaration of Independence in New York on my show on Thursday. I'm doing a special two-hour broadcast at w- on WBAI Thursday from four to six, and I'm going to go through this thing. I mean, clearly. You know, from a native standpoint, the first thing that jumps out at us with the Declaration of Independence is, is the reference to us as merciless Indian savages. But there's plenty of hypocrisy. And, you know, in, in this era now of, you know, Trump calling everything fake news and, and lying on a, on a daily basis, you know, we, we always talk about fact-checking. But has anybody ever fact-checked the Declaration of Independence? Some of the stuff that Jefferson claims in this thing, and he's the one who, who authored this thing, I mean, you couldn't be more hypocritical. The easy stuff is like, yeah, all men are created equal, and uh, and you know, and bestowed uh, um, with uh, um, inherent rights by their their creator. Yeah, that's what Jefferson says. As he as he has not only slaves but sex slaves. I mean, this is a this is a man who kept slaves and and kept one for his you know uh, for his personal concubine, um, writing words that all men are created equal. I mean, the hypocrisy is incredible. And so, but when I get to that line, you know, consent of the governed, that's where this stuff all comes up. Because when you've got the state of New York or the federal government or anybody else trying to impose their will upon us, when we've never given it to them, there's never been a transfer. Again, I'll use the word. We never transfer our sovereignty to them. We've never um, uh, uh, submitted or, or surrendered ourselves. I mean, we hear people post it all the time. Well, that's, you know, you were conquered. No, we weren't. We weren't conquered. Seneca's weren't conquered by the, uh, by the United States. Mohawks weren't conquered by the, uh, you know, by, you know, by the United States or New York State. In fact, most of these nations, I mean, the, the amount of armed conflicts that took place between the United States and Native people were less than 50 conflicts, 50 armed conflicts. Now, there, were, there was plenty of murder that took place, massacres. But, you know, in terms of um, a, a conquest, and again, I go back to Justice John Marshall trying to equate discovery of an inhabited country with conquering the, that, that same uh, people in that same country. Uh, country. It's, it's, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. And, and so unless we have somehow given ourselves, uh, you know, submitted, allowed ourselves to be subjugated, to be subjects of the United States, They've got no documentation that, 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 that suggests that ever occurred. They can't put a line in the sand. They can't say, well, on this date, this happened. They can't say this treaty, this surrender, <clears throat> this you know, um, agreement. There's nothing like that. Look, they've passed laws that were unilateral on their side, but never, never is there uh, um, any place where they can say there's consent. And again... I know that the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People is a is kind of a weak and a non-binding agreement, but what's laced through that entire agreement is this whole idea of free, prior, and informed consent. Not just consultation, not just notifying us that, uh, oh yeah, by the way, we're not going to let you do this anymore. No. The idea that we have consented to some change in our relationship or or consented to uh, you know to granting authority to them over us never happened never happened look i know our our timing got a little screwed up here today because of uh losing internet we had a storm roll through uh so we're gonna wrap this thing up i don't know if we'll, by the time we edit some of this stuff down we hopefully we come up with a full hour um I, this is one of those cases and i say it often the best viewing of this show may be on uh, on youtube or uh, or audio uh, looking uh, catching us on a podcast um sorry for the disruption with our internet and and, and the weather but um uh look Catch, do catch my show. It's a special broadcast on July 4th. Yes, I am talking about the Declaration of Independence, and it is a special two-hour broadcast, so I will be taking calls in New York City for a full hour in that hour from 5 to 6. So uh, I look forward to that uh, doing that show down there, um, and I look forward to the interaction with, with listeners. But you know, look, those of you who listen to this show and are you know, from back home here, you can call into New York City too. And uh, so w- we will stream that show uh, on Facebook Live, and uh, and of course, if you go to um, wbai.org, www.wbai.org, you can uh, stream live audio of that show as well. Look, this is John Kane with that chiller. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you back here on Saturday. Yeah.